0: Hello, family. Welcome back to the Explore the Extraordinary Podcast. My name is Betty Guadagno, and today I am joined by Reverend Rodney Gittins of the One Love Center for Spiritual Living. And Rodney and I are part of one spiritual community together, and we got to talking, and our conversation was just so expansive, and there were so many amazing spiritual stories within, you know, a 30-minute conversation that I thought this would be a great opportunity to have him on the podcast. We tried to record this once before and we had some technical difficulties. I think maybe our frequency is so high that we break the internet together, I'm not sure. But I'm really grateful for your willingness to come back and to serve the community here at IONS. And so I'm gonna to toss it right over to you to share about yourself. Thanks again.
1: Well, thank you, Betty. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, thank you all for receiving me and and receiving us and this information. Um, I am a ordained minister with Centers for Spiritual Living, which is the overall organization um, for which One Love Center for Spiritual Living is a part. Uh, We are a New Thought community. um, And quite simply, New Thought is not associated with any other uh, religious organization or denomination. New Thought are several different organizations. However, we share something very basic in common which is focusing on spiritual principles and how they work in our lives and how to use them for our to our advantage, um, as instead of using them for our <laughs> disadvantage, which happens a lot. Because uh, new thought, uh, very simply, I, I like to say that new thought is quite different than old thought, and uh, some of it relates to the Christian religion, the Christian Bible. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the Old Testament. Uh, a lot of it is based on what you should not do, and thou shalt not, and, and a whole lot of nots, and you get kind of, <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to be disparaging to the, any religion. I'm just saying that there's now a New Testament, which is more focused on what you can do to live a, a healthy, prosperous life, and mostly focusing on love, and so New Thought Teachings are uh, basically about the spiritual principles that are common to all religions well more the major religions and most religion and to people who don't even practice religion but practice a spiritual way of being focusing on nature or focusing on on the the benefits of living a clean and wholesome life with positive thoughts bringing forth positive experiences and, and so that's what I'm that's what I'm into that's what I'm hooked up with and and that's how I get to help people experience that for themselves and so uh, you know the conversations that that we had Betty uh were just so uh, and you said 30 minutes it seemed like like hours we just had so much to share in that's in that short amount of time it was just really awesome and it was all spiritually based and and we belong we we're, we're I can say that we we Um, are members of an organization that believes that spiritual principles are never in conflict. And and that is so meaningful to me because whatever our experiences are in life, we can always connect on the spiritual foundation that is inherent in all of these experiences. And so when we started talking about near death experiences and, and um, I started bringing up uh, memories for me, not just, the physical memories but the emotional memories and then the memories of of um the uh, of how those experiences can support me in my life uh even though at, at the time uh especially the, the the childhood experiences you know I didn't go journal <laughs> oh this is the experience i had this is my real experience um but it was kind of recorded in my psyche and and if nothing else uh it reminded me of how we get to overcome our experiences and 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 further us along on our path even if we don't use those words or or have that kind of thought uh i grew up in brooklyn new york i'm i'm from brooklyn new york and continue to live in brooklyn new york now and Uh, I love it. You know, it's full of rich experiences. Some were very positive and and many that were, uh, I can easily say death defined, (laughs) which is, well, I'm here. Um, I I think, let me just check. Uh, (laughs) Could still be a dream, Uh, you know, coma dream or something. I don't know. Um, And and, um, so some of the experiences that I had, most of which uh, I thought were uh, revealing were situations I put myself through or, or that I found myself in. And uh, it's just really interesting. And we started talking about near-death experiences. And, and um, I actually, uh, from the first conversation we had, another one had come up that I completely had forgot about and I was uh if I may uh it was right right uh, in front of the building complex that I was living in downtown brooklyn and we were playing hide and seek and it was time you know I was one of the kids that was going to hide and so I ran and we were all looking around for a place to hide and I saw these bushes I thought well I'll hide behind the bushes and so I I I think I was probably about I'd say maybe six or seven, probably six. And I jumped over the hedges and I landed on a stump of one of the, the hedges. And I didn't see it because it was, you know, a stump close to the ground. And it hit me in the chest. It put a little impression in my chest and it knocked me out. I mean, I was out. And... I remember having dreams and I don't remember what they were about, it was such a long time ago, but I do remember that I was quite comfortable in those dreams. And then when I woke up, I remember before I woke up, I realized that that something wasn't right and I had to come back. I know I had an out of body experience, but when I woke up, it was dark. <laughs> I obviously found a good hiding place because nobody found me. <laughs> and so, but I had this indentation in my chest. It was a little bit of blood, and I mean, it really was was uh, traumatic. After I woke up, I'm like, oh my god, you know, actually, I I remember saying, "Wow, I'm alive," <laughs> uh, because I and I realized that at some point I thought I wasn't, and and that was one of the that was the very first near-death experience, uh, what I understood death to be um, in in my life. And I remember that I certainly had to have had an out-of-body experience, because I do remember coming back and then right before waking up. And and that was really powerful for me. I was scared because I didn't know what to tell my parents. I'm like, oh, where have you been? I'm like, uh, you know, I I I was always scared to tell him stuff. You know, it might get a, uh, a whipping or whatever. You know, late late came in in the dark, all that stuff kind of took over the experience that I had, and and so you know, I always remember it, but I don't always remember. I remember I used to remember the dreams, but now I just remember that experience. And uh so that, that came up for me. I'm like, wow, you, you know, I'm living life on the edge, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh so um throughout my life I've I've had experiences that some might call near death. I've had I've been in car crashes, I've I've um uh, experienced uh um, I would guess I could say alcohol poisoning, <laughs> you know, just things where I was no longer in control of my own body or my own, exp- you know, or my own life. And I don't know, did, did you want me to mention any of those uh, experiences?
0: Oh, thank you for sharing. And I'm really grateful for that. I would love, and only because we already talked about this stuff, I would love if you would talk about the bicycle and the truck incident. I think that it's like a totally fascinating story. And then maybe we'll go into some questions from there.
1: Okay, great. So also as a child, I was a young teenager. Um I would say I was probably about 12. Uh, let's see. So fourth grade, fifth grade. Yeah, I think I was about 12. And I was riding home from a friend's house on a bike that had no brakes. The 10 speed bike had no brakes. And I'm zipping along, I'm a block away from home and I'm driving under the Manhattan Bridge. Uh, so that area was is now called Dumbo, the, um, the area under the Manhattan Bridge. And there was a huge truck, uh, that was making a, a left turn and i wanted to go straight however the truck was taking up all of the space for me to get by and i didn't have brakes and I, there was there's a really high curb on my right and i couldn't get up on a curb to get around the truck and i had one of those gates um lift gates and the gate was down and it just took up all the space for me to pass by and i'm going at this high rate of speed i'm using my foot to try to stop the bike on the back the back uh, wheel, and that's not happening, and and in the split second, I just realized that I'm going to get decapitated. I mean, it's just going to take my head off, and I, it's a big bike, a 10-speed bike, and I can't get underneath it, and just as I'm ready to hit this truck, the next thing I know, I'm on the other side of the truck, and I have no idea how that happened. And I looked behind me and the truck was still making a slow turn. And I thought, that's it. I'm, I'm dead. And I'm just, I'm just watching, you know, I'm looking for my body. Okay. Like, hey, what happened? And, and I, I was so shook up by it that I, I fell, <laughs> you know, way after, you know, down the block, I fall off the bike and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, I'm alive. How, how is this even possible? And I mean, over all these years there's i i just cannot imagine any way that i made it through that without some kind of bodily injury uh that that you know i didn't my head didn't get chopped off by the gate that was just hanging down and or crash into it or or anything and that was my first real kind of um revelation about there's just more to life than this physical experience and it took that to kind of open me up to the possibility and um and i gotta admit there are days where i'm like am i really alive am i live have i been living all these years in a coma and and think that i've lived you know these you know 50 or whatever years you know all in this dream in a coma from from that what I thought I got away from so
0: (laughs) yeah yeah I actually wrote that down when you had mentioned it before I wrote down like laughing about coma dream because I've had the exact same thoughts I'm and even sometimes when I hear beeping I'm like oh I must be hearing the beeping of the heart monitor in my coma room and that's why I hear it here so I totally have had the same thoughts and I think that the stories that you just talked about, you know, like, first of all, having these experiences in childhood, you know, it really kind of sets the stage for that awareness, very young, that you can carry with you throughout your life, whether you do or whether you don't, that there is definitely something that we're, we are unaware of the true nature of reality here. Mm. And I heard you say when you were talking you said what I understood death to be when you were talking about falling on the stump. And so I'm wondering if maybe you can share a a little bit about what do you think death is now?
1: Well, thank you for asking that. And what I think death is now, um, it's quite different than I did, you know, as a child or a young adult or an adult. And some of it is coming into the teaching of, of new thought. Um, However, I began to start seeing the similarities of, of how different religions treat what we call death. I used to think death was the end of everything, darkness, that's it, there's nothing. Now I see uh, what we call death as a transition. Um, that, And I, I started realizing, well, wait a minute, we have phrases for this. We call it giving up the ghost, you know, uh, le you know the uh, uh leaving the shell, uh, things of that nature. Like, well, wait a minute. What is it that leaves the? What is the ghost? What is it that leaves the shell? What is it that we're transitioning from and fr- transitioning through? And I so I realized first and foremost that we experience what we call death all the time, every day, every second. Our cells and our bodies are you know are. are are dying, you know, so to speak, they're, they've outlived their usefulness and they fall off or they are carried out of our body one way or the other. I mean, our dead, our, our skin cells uh, are, have life and then they no longer have what we call life and they go off into some other existence, you know, as dust, <laughs> really, you know, dead skin cells become dust. I'm like, who knew? And, um, and so when it comes to our complete organism, this body, when it has outlived its usefulness, and I'm really positive, 100% sure it doesn't matter how we go, it's just time to go, um, which is a whole nother story. Um, it's just that nothing ever truly dies it, everything goes through a transition it changes form the body i mean when they read it at funerals you know dust to dust ashes to ashes you know we return to this to the earth uh, however we want to look at it that, that's not an ending and as you mentioned before the frequencies that we have you know the energies that we are made of uh, uh don't just disappear either you know energy is not destroyed uh it's it's it just transmutes or transforms or transitions into another form at some point or you know or maybe not. maybe it just hangs out as loose energy just that's it you know, or maybe at some point it is attracted to either inhabit another body or some other form of life that we may not even recognize it on this planet or some other planet. who knows uh, uh but I however, I really feel, that, that what we call life is never ending. It just changes form. And so death is not a complete ending. It's just part of the process of life.
0: Yeah. I, and I love the idea of just, you know, asking these quantum questions all the time. Like, well, maybe it could be this, maybe it could be that, maybe it could be all the things, you know, like, and it's, for me, I love being able to exercise that muscle inside my Mm. mind of going into like deep metaphysical philosophical thought and saying like, yeah, what is this? Or or, how how do I create the life that I want to? So you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago um, for your ministry about uh, like living a purpose filled life. And so I want to see if maybe you'll share a little bit about how you came into this line of service that you're in now.
1: Well, thank you. Um, and I I revisit that often <laughs> at times. Uh like how did I get here you know or checking in um, okay is this still for me to do you know is this uh, why I'm here is this what what I'm supposed to be doing and uh, growing up uh, was a life of service with my family in our in our neighborhood church and it was we were just used to it I mean. That's just part of my um, my particular uh, makeup and my family, you know we all that's that's pretty much how we operated and and when I was on that mission to find myself uh, to do my own thing, uh, I started to realize that I mean long afterwards that I was just kind of like a helper you know I just wanted to help people realize. Uh, a better life for themselves. Even if of course I couldn't put it in those words. Um, how can I help? Uh, was was I think the underlying theme. And so a purpose-filled life is once we get to realize why we are here, uh, then we we get to fulfill that. However, we can't fulfill it if first of all, we don't make that discovery. Uh, Most of the time we don't make that discovery when we are mired in a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, uh, I know every now and then I get to take my own, I take my own inventory every day. However, I, I like to, to make a practice of doing a more formal taking of my own inventory of who I am and things I don't like about what I think, say, or do and things that I do like. And then, you know, the checks and balances and what do I want to get rid of? What do I want to release? What do I want to keep? What do I want to um, accentuate? Uh, You know, what do I want to uh, improve? And, and so um, I'd say growing up uh, I went through a lot of trials and tribulations of, of being a people pleaser, uh, you know, that helping gene just going too far, you know, and not focusing on, how I can be the best me I can be to help others be the best they can be. Um, Most of the time it was in any way, shape or form that I can be there for somebody, whether it was positive or negative, let me be there and do that. And that was all ego driven. And that was like, look at me, I'm helping. And um, therefore you're going to like me and all that other stuff got in the way and anything that I could, Add on to myself to not have me look at myself, but to have other people look and say, "Oh yeah, that's I like that person." That that showed up a lot for me. Uh, it showed up where I didn't get to see who I really am in the midst of all that trying to be what other people, what I thought other people wanted me to be and to do, in order to have some kind of a relationship and feel worthy and needed and important, and all these other uh, uh, you know, um, selfish motives, uh, to, f- you know, to feed the ego, to feed the wounded child um, that didn't feel loved, that didn't feel appreciated, that didn't feel uh, uh, wanted. Now, all of those were only the figments of my imagination, uh, and some of them had real uh, roots. It's just that I found it very easy to nurture those lies and for them to take root on their own without it coming from any place else, but my own thoughts, my own fears, my own beliefs. And um yeah, they were and they were negative and and didn't believe a whole lot in myself about who I am. And um, so I'm grateful for a lot of the lessons that I learned from seeking all this stuff outside of myself, which eventually had me take a look at myself, especially when I put myself through some of those those death-defying experiences. Um, I mean, uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, having a gun to my head uh, and thinking, well, I didn't even have enough time for my life to flash before my eyes. (laughs) It was like, oh well. And um, nothing happened. And uh, thinking I was just lucky. Um, and not giving thanks. And not being grateful in that moment. Um, however, it took a number. It, it There's a saying that says, when, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you'll do something about it. Um, and that's what it took for me. It took me for being completely unmanageable in my life. It took me to where I thought there was no purpose for my life. Why should I even go through this anymore? And uh, it could lead into another story.
0: Let me ask a couple of questions about what you just shared sure. before we go into another story. But um, so I love that you said, checking on what I think, say, and do. And you didn't say checking in on how I'm like, how I am or like who I am, because that's not when we're talking, you know, you're talking about like sort of making an inventory of the things that you'd like to change. And I just love the way that you worded that because you didn't associate yourself with those things. You just said, these are things that happen that I'd like to shift. And so I just wanted to point that out because for me, that is spiritual awakening, recognizing that I am not my thoughts. I am not my actions and not even my behaviors. These are all just aspects of what's going on inside of me. And they can be amended through through a practice. And um, let's see. Uh, you also said, well, hold on. I, I I can never read my own handwriting. Um. So, yeah, you said, is this what I'm supposed to be doing when we were talking about like your purpose and And when I hear you say that, I, you know, it makes me feel like purpose can shift. Like you're checking in, like, is this still what's meaningful and purposeful to me? I think that's really a a valuable sentence as well, because I think when I talk to people, when they think about purpose, it's so rigid, like, oh my God, what am I here to do? It's got to just be like this one thing. And, but it's not right. Like, tell me how, how does that feel for you? The, the shaping of purpose
1: well um i've loosened up a lot as you mentioned uh it that it doesn't serve me to think that i'm only here for one thing and one thing only uh i remember well one of one of the qualities that i realized uh from early on is about my smile uh, and i don't necessarily would say hey that's such a great smile Uh, but other people would say that and my smile would help other people and so uh i oh i remember from high school is when i really kind of embraced it and there was a quote that said uh if you see a man without a smile give him yours and to me there could be a day where my purpose is just to smile at somebody. It could be one person. I don't know which one it is, so I just smile at everybody, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that smile for so that one person is going to make all the difference in the world. And there may be a day where I get to maybe hold the door for somebody. May, maybe I get to to make a, a a a a wrong number on a phone call, and end up speaking to that person for like a, a few minutes or more. And knowing that in that moment, my purpose was fulfilled to to be able to bring some light to somebody. To, and maybe even if they didn't receive it in a moment, maybe I'll never get to know. However, that was my job. That was my purpose for that moment. And...
0: I love that. I love it so much. I, yeah. And I, I often say similar things. So I'm really giddy with that because yeah, it's not rigid. It can be something really that you might consider insignificant, but it might create a ripple in the universe that we have no idea what is, you know, what is happening. Um, okay. One more thing that you said, and then we'll go into the other story that you, um that came up for you. So how did like, do you have any tools, or maybe could you share a little bit about how do you shift from being of service for validation to truly wanting to be of service? Is there anything sort of that you did to help heal that aspect? And then feel free to go into your story.
1: All right, thanks. Well, maybe for some people it comes easily, it comes quickly, uh, and I'm sure it does. And for some of us. Uh, We have to do soul searching. We have to really look at our patterns. And even in the midst of a mess, even when we're not at our best, there are still patterns that emerge once we stop and be still and look at those. So we have to stop, just take a break from whatever it is that we're doing. And even if we think we're on a high horse and we're doing everything right and perfect, but they're still not feeling that that soul fulfillment. You know, like, you know, I'm just generally happy. I'm just feeling joy. But we don't feel that. And we feel like something's missing. We just don't know how to label it. And so I would like to think that we can get to that place to find that truth within ourselves easily, um, uh, comfortably, uh, without any trauma, without any... Anybody kicking our butt or pulling us and dragging us. However, uh, most of the time, we need something that's going to shake us up. And I call it in a in. That's my own word. You can't look it up. Uh, I haven't put it in the dictionary yet. It's called in a shaken-in. We have what's called um, a spiritual two by four. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. You know, I, I like to start off with a spiritual feather. It's just like that, that still small voice, the voice of God, whatever you want to call it, is like, okay, Hey, Rodney, it's time to wake up. You know, it's time to get on your path and do what you're here to do. And um, yeah, I'm not hearing that, you know, all this noise going on in my head. I'm like, I want to do what I want to do. I'm watching TV. I'm being busy doing this. Maybe I'm, you know, I was using drugs and alcohol and doing whatever else I was doing to kind of quiet all that noise and, and seeking things on the outside to keep me busy, you know, and then that spirit, that, that, that divine presence said, Hmm, we got to get his attention. Let's do the spiritual two by four. And then it's like, Oh, you know, like, Oh, what was that? You know, pay attention, Rodney, you know, now it's time you, you, you want to, you want to start looking at why you're here. Stop wasting your time. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop wasting other people's time. And if we don't, wake up at that point that's when I say well here comes the spiritual Mack Chuck you know that Mac, bonk, bonk, you know and it's like you got to move get out of the way or get run over you know or reach that stage of death you know where whatever, whatever that person's belief of death is that's what's coming next you know and usually one of those is going to be enough to move us to, to stop Move us to stop, to to be still, that we can hear with that voice that's been speaking all the time. It's uh, I mean in in different religions they'll call it a still small voice, the voice of the divine. It just doesn't yell, you know. It's just like okay, well now it's time for you to do this. Now it's time to to take a look at yourself, take stock of yourself in a loving and gentle way. You know the pluses and the minuses, and now it's difficult for us to do that alone it's difficult for us to to do the self help by ourselves we need help to help ourselves and whether we get it in a book or a group you know people who are on the same path of wanting to to find out you know why they're really here but first we have to let go of the baggage first we have to clear off the stuff that gets in the way of looking at ourselves and there are layers. I mean, I have many layers of, I've had many layers of of false beliefs and lies and, and, and traumas and things that just I was holding on to because that's all I knew. And that's what I thought made me and made me go through each day. And then when I relax and let go, which is easier said than done, because to let go means... Well, what else is there for me to hang on to? If I let go, it's like a free fall. If I free fall, I'm going to fall and I'm going to die. you know. And And so a lot of us don't want to let go of the familiar, even if it's causing us pain. However, when we have faith and trust that there is something that's going to buffer our fall, that if we fall or when we fall, it's not going to kill us. You know, it's going to actually support us and make a foundation for us to move forward on. And even if we have to take a few steps back, at least we're on a foundation that we can we can trust and like, OK, I don't know where I'm going. This is unfamiliar territory. However. It's a start. And if I'm still and quiet and we can incorporate things called meditation and and just. Be still and listen, even if it's all unfamiliar, at least it's better than where I came from, the pain of where I came from, the suffering that I knew, uh, the indecision, uh, all of that. Uh, I'd rather be uncomfortable in the newness and the nowness rather than be comfortable in the squalor, in the pain and the suffering.
0: I love that. Wow. Yeah. Just you said so many things that I'm just like back here, like, oh, my God, a shakening. That's like incredible. What a wonderful play on words. And I often say that my own awakening process was like source dumped a bucket of spiritual bricks on my head and was like, yo, it is time do this or like a bucket of ice water, you know, like it was really like, you must do this now. And there was this great sense of urgency behind it to really push me onto a different path very quickly. You know, I've, I've only, I've been on this path for four and a half years and it's just like continues just like on this uphill slope. And so I really loved everything, all of those tools that you shared about too, you know, because I think that this is what people crave when we have these spiritual conversations, Uh, Some people are thinking, well, if I just had a a spiritual experience, if I just had a near death experience, then my life would like work out the way that I want it. But I think that that's kind of why people who have spiritual experiences come back and share because we've cultivated some information. It's not like you have a spiritual experience and then all of a sudden you're healed and well it's just that you start to open up your awareness to the tools that you need to remove the blocks to love. And I heard you say so much of that. And, um, and thank you for sharing that because yeah, there's work involved, you know, but it actually is quite enjoyable once you get into it's a little uncomfortable at first, but then once you get over that, that little hump, it becomes really fun doing inner work. I think so anyway.
1: Yeah, I agree, Betty. I think it's kind of like gardening in the beginning. It's work. It's really hard, sweaty work. You know, you're in the you're in the dirt, you know, you're getting dirty, it might be even muddy. And there's no apparent reward. You know, <laughs> it's just a mess. You, you you know, it it there's days and weeks and 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 there are outside influences and like, you know, if it's a garden, it's the rain and the storm and and animals and insects and all this other stuff going on that are, don't get, you know. Uh, you know, just want to forget about it, you know, just let me go to the supermarket, get what I want, you know, but if you <laughs> you want to, if you're on a farm and you, and this is what you need to survive, this is your, your sustenance and, and it's like, I have to grow this, it's like from within, you know, it's like, there's nothing coming from the outside. If I don't do this, I'm going to starve and I was spirit, I was uh, not a spirit, I was so often is starving for loving positive attention that only we can give ourselves. And I say once we open up to the divine, we get it, we see it in everything. We see how the divine's touch is in everything and and most certainly us. And we and we get rid of that, you know, maybe the top soil is, is not doing anything for us and we got to go get that rich soil underneath and, and we have to dig into ourselves and it is work. And sometimes there, there's roots of things that don't belong and those roots are in there hard and and we've 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 got to dig them out you know and and sometimes it it uh it hurts it hurts however like you said you know it gets to be we get to find a joy in it you know we get to get that sense of accomplishment um even even if you know the fruits haven't appeared yet you know even if 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 uh, I mean I'm doing all this work and I still don't know who I am, I still don't know why I'm here, but at least I know who I'm not. At least I know that I'm no longer there and doing those things that that were that are causing me to feel this great hunger, you know. And that's the thing that great hunger is what moves us. Uh, while while you were mentioning uh, about the near death experience, it reminds me of people who want to do bungee jumping and jump out of. A plane with a parachute, you know, <laughs> those are simulating near death experiences, you, you know. And so I think there's something inside that says, you know, I mean, I don't think most people do those things uh, and ask before, what do I expect to get out of this? <laughs> you know, we don't, I, I just want to do it, you, you know, and, and not realize that there is something within that is requesting this to happen. You know, uh, uh, some uh, inducing or traumatic experience, it's going to release a lot of stuff. It's going to release emotions and feelings. It's going to release stuff that's trapped in our cell, you know, on our cellular level that we didn't never probably didn't even know was trapped in there until we do it. And that adrenaline and all that other stuff, you know, uh, endorphins, all that stuff is those natural drugs are <laughs> are. are uh, operating in our system and unlocking a lot of things that that would not normally become revealed to us unless we put ourselves in those situations, and even um, like the slow death of of, of using you know substances. Um, if people make it through that, you know they they get to have opportunities for a revelation. You know for that spiritual awakening for the awakening, you know there's like hey come on get out of there you know there's something even greater for you and uh, yeah so
0: that's so yeah i love that and thanks for mentioning about like how our bodies and ourselves kind of store that trauma and and there needs to be a release from that that was like one of the coolest things that i learned on the spiritual integration journey was like about somatic release, that I have to to be purposeful in making sure that I'm releasing these things from my cellular body. My soul might feel completely reborn and awoken and perfect and whole and divine and a little self-righteous, but my physical body has been through like the ringer. And this stuff needs to come out of my physical body. So thanks for mentioning that because that really is has been a great spiritual tool for me. I've really loved chatting with you. I'm glad that we got to do it again. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if there's anything else that you want to share to feel more complete about our time together.
1: Well, uh, again, I want to thank you for that because even in the conversation, stuff is flooding up to, to the surface. And um, I've had... Um I was speaking with a friend earlier today, and she said, Oh, well, you never mentioned any near-death experiences in all the time that I've known you. And and this stuff doesn't just come up in conversation. You know, oh, by the way, I just never told you, but I had a near-death, you know, we we don't have those conversations with people normally. Uh so I really appreciate this. And and I think the more that we do, we can see the positive aspects of talking about these things um, and and giving them relevance because it's not just necessarily a real near death experience like almost being de- decapacitated uh, by a truck or or a, a time I don't know if I told you about almost falling off of the Grand Canyon um, for me to get a realization of something going on that needs attention. Uh, and if we don't bring these up, and it doesn't have to be that. It can be an idea that we were close to death, you know what we call death, um just a fear of something, and it feels like death, like it if, if i had if I had gone further, it had progressed, then I would die. yeah, you know? and I think that sometimes. That in and of itself is a message to us, without having really been close to death, but it felt like it. You know, the the thought of it, even years later, still brings the same feeling. Well, there's still something for us to look at. It's 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 pointing us to look at how I can get that out the way, so I can be more fully self-expressed in a positive way. And and so, yes. We like, yeah, we don't have to go bungee jumping. We don't have to jump out of a plane with a parachute uh, or put ourselves in these situations. However, I, I said, you know what? You probably have gone through uh, uh, a near death experience and not realized, it. you know, because we we don't want to look at it that way. We just want to bur- bury it and move on. And and we miss the opportunity to see what it may have been. Teaching us or educating us about, and there's a difference um, between teaching and being taught and being educated. Um, So, yeah. um, And real quickly, education means to draw out from within, educare, the Latin uh, root to draw out from within. Meaning everything we need to know is already inside of us. So all the situations that we go through in life are educating us to the true nature of who we are, and the clues are there. We just have to be still and be silent and focus and trust that it is going to be revealed in a ways that we can understand it. And it won't necessarily happen right away. (laughs) Most of the time not. Um, But it puts us on a path.
0: That's beautiful. I'm so happy to be part of your coma dream, or I'm happy that you're part of mine. <laughs> Either way, I really am so grateful for this conversation today. Uh, it's so beautiful to connect in conscious conversation, and like you're, you know, like you just said, the more that we share about our mystical or paranormal experiences, the more that they become the normal. And I think that that's the shift that we're here to experience as spirits. You know, I I really feel like this mass awakening happening. and, And the more that we talk about this stuff, the more courage we give other people to talk about theirs. So, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And all of your links will be in the liner notes of this episode so that people can contact you. And I just want to thank you again for serving our community.
1: Thank you. Bless you and bless each and every one. And may you find your heart's desire. May you find your true purpose. And may it be in a way that brings you to see the joy in, in life and, and to not fear death. And that's to fear talking about death. So thank you and bless you all. Thanks
0: so much. Be wavy. We'll see you next time.